Hey, um, we're here to help each other see life from God's perspective, but we can't do that unless we're seeing it that way ourselves. So let's pray and ask God to help us see life that way. Father, um, we're all very, very different, but as believers, we have the same spirit in us. And Father, on purpose, you've made us different. On purpose, you put us in different places. On purpose, you put us in, in different circumstances and situations. And Help us, Father, to realize that every single thing we are going through in life is there by your design. That we as believers have a home in heaven. We know that because of the blood of Christ. But you didn't take us to heaven so that you could leave us here to, to find your power, your resurrection power, to make it through victoriously all these different situations that you allowed us to go through. And so, Father, as we go through these situations, Father, help us never to rely on the flesh. Help us never to trust and lean on our own understanding, but to wholly and solely lean on you and watch our faith grow so others can see our faith grow and we can live life from your perspective and then help others see it that same way, Father. So that's our prayer this morning as we sing, as we worship you, as we uh, as we listen, as we talk, Father, as we love each other, just please help us see everything from your perspective. And um, we'll be faithful to help others see it that way too. So Father, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't have that relationship with you, someone here that's not a believer, that's not sure they're going to heaven when they die, someone who's not sure they've got the Holy Spirit living in them, Father, I pray today you'd give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender themselves to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and be able to trust that what Jesus did on the cross would pay for their sins, and they too could have a home in heaven. So Father, we love you, and we want to love you more. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, yeah. Yeah. Right. <coughs> Hey guys, we're from Ocean's Edge. Um, we're going to sing Calvary Chapel, and really excited to be with you guys today. You guys would just stand up and then turn to worship with us.
guys know, this is the praise jar, and there's also one uh, on our app. If you uh, And what the praise jar is for is when God just does something kind of undeniably awesome in your life, um, I'd love for you to write it down and sh uh, throw it in the praise jar on Sunday or put it on the app. Um, what happens is, is that, man, we all have weeks where we don't really get to hear and see God. We got all this other junk in our life. Things get in the way. Anybody have weeks like that sometimes? Just it's hard to see God. And so if, if the weeks when you're seeing them work, you share your praise of what God has done. It can be a big encouragement to those who are really wondering if he's still working. They know he is, but they just need to see him. I've got a couple uh, in the praise jar here, and uh, let's see, uh, someone here, oh, this is my daughter Emily, she put one in and said, uh, I am officially finished with IRSC second ended, uh, what does that say? Yeah. I am officially ended uh, and second ended, oh, here, read. <laughs> Oh, that's an A. Oh, never mind. I saw two, man. That's a bad. Dude, only typewriters make an A like that, man. <laughs> Anyways, I'm officially finished with IRC and ended one of my classes <coughs> with the highest overall grade. I'm thankful God gave me a working brain. I am grateful for that, too. And access to a college education in high school. I'm excited to see how he uses me in the next chapter of life in school. So, man, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And um, I think this is Ashley, my other daughter. Didn't, not that we're trying to dominate the praise jar. Don't forget Rigged. about the praise jar. It's fixed. Huh? It's fixed. It's fixed? Yeah, it's fixed, man. All right. I'm am I am amazed and so thankful for the doors God is opening in our neighborhood. And I can't wait to see how God continues to work and see people come to Christ and experience his love. And um, let me share a little bit about that. Um, this is driftwood, but as you know, that what God has put in our DNA from the very beginning is that as driftwood grows, as we outgrow this, whenever it's time, we're supposed to plant another little sand dune somewhere and another little sand dune. And God's given Ashley and JJ the desire before we ever even planted driftwood, but especially since he's brought him here, to plant another driftwood up near Fort Pierce Inlet State Park up that way. And so they're starting, um, I know Terry and Fernando are building a house there. There's, there's people, Rock Shop Tom lives up there. There's a lot of, but they're, they're going to be starting some Bible studies this summer and maybe some worship Sunday evenings and different things and um, get some things kind of going. But right now they're just out in their neighborhood, just meeting people and sharing the gospel, loving them and praying. And God is opening up some killer doors. So be praying God continues to do that so we can reach that part of of our, our community, all right? So, man, that's awesome. Anybody else uh, got something God just did? All right, hang on. Okay, go ahead, Ashley. Go ahead. And then, Fernanda, you're next. Um, the ladies at the jail ministry have, the last time I was there, were being shown the
completely spoke to us. It was God speaking to us of how to, how to handle the situation and not to uh, get angry, but just have faith in him. That was pretty cool. Amen. So God's speaking all the time. Got to be listening. Oh, we got another one? Did I say one? Oh, yeah, Ellie. I've already shared this with you, but I was coming back from babysitting uh, late one night for my grandchildren, and I was at my uh, mailboxes, and these three young men, well, they were younger than Speak me. Speak up just a little bit, Ellie. They were, they were younger than me, but I guess they were in their probably 50s or 50s. Like, like me, I'm a young man. And they saw my Twitter shirt, and they thought it was Waldo's restaurant, you know, Driftwood from Bureau, and they just started talking. And it, it turned out they were brothers. One was visiting from Charlotte, and uh, Peter knows you from the grill, the grill refill. Yeah. But they were just fascinated with, uh, uh, they wanted to know about our service, how you taught, and I see God opening up people. It was just a chance encounter at the mailboxes where they wanted to know more about. Well, we're Catholic, no, I grew up Catholic, so no, no disparaging, but they said, that sounds very alive, that sounds interesting, tell me more, so it was, it was very cool. Right on. So pray for Peter at the grill refill, and if you need propane, go see him, bro. <laughs> All right, man. Anybody else? Are we good? You guys ready to worship some more? All right. Let's go ahead and uh, worship some more.
So before we get into the next song, I just want to give you a little bit of background on, on me and on, uh, on the Lord. So I don't know about you guys, but I am so bad at consistency. Like, every week I find myself just kind of like, almost like being saved again, you know? Like, every week I find myself just like, oh, like, oh, why can't I just like, you know, keep a constant groove or a constant like flow? Um, and of course, it's taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot about grace. You know, I wouldn't know what grace is if I don't continuously fall on my face. But um, the Lord just called me into a, a new season for me personally um, of promise. Whenever, um, you know, I just read scripture now, I see it in that point of view. You know, this is a promise of the Lord. And speaking of Pastor Eddie, like, he uses so many metaphors, like, and it's, they're just so clever. I know you guys probably know that. But um, so a metaphor came to mind as I was thinking about, you know, what I, I would like to share. And I just kind of thought about like a, like a boat. So if you're like in the middle of the ocean, right, and, you know, your captain has no idea where you're going, you know, where the ship's taking you or, you know, when land is going to be near, you know, you're kind of hopeless, right? Like at that point, you know, maybe you're low on food, you know, you've lost hope. You know, your, your crewmates are probably like, they're not, they're not happy about that. But if your captain says, you know, 100 miles north, there's going to be, you know, land. We'll get there eventually. And then, you know, the storms come. Everything is happening. You know, maybe everything's going wrong, but you have faith. You have hope. Because you have assurance, you know, your, your captain is faithful. Maybe he's been, you know, through all sorts of things. So you, you, you're, you're, you're striving. You're striving because, you know... Um, He's confident, and so that makes you confident. So for me, it's been like that. For me, it's been like that. You know, whatever, what I've come to learn now is that, um, and literally this is last week, is that the only thing that will keep you going is if you're, if you're like, grounded on the promise of God. And you kind of just have to look back, you know, look back at your life and see, like, how many, how wide of a river you've crossed, you know? Or see like all the trials you've gone through and maybe you're not thinking about it in that moment but when you look back you have a you have a god perspective of life so um you know second corinthians 120 it's on the screen it says for all the promises of god in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of god through us and i just like how it says through us because we proclaim that you know and that's why we're here as a church gathered to proclaim the glories to proclaim the goodness and the promises of god so as we sing this song you know think about it just think about perhaps a promise the Lord gave you and you know you think about even that greater promise of you know the hope of glory that one day we'll be there walking on that golden road and just rejoicing in his, in his beauty and his love and his majesty let's pray Lord we just thank you Father for all your promises God you've spoken to us so much already Lord even today and we just want to take a moment to reminisce Lord on the, on the past Thank you, Father, because we're here. We have a home. We have food on the table, God. And even in the struggling moments, God, you, you bring us peace. You give us joy, family, God. So help us to remember all the good things you've, you've done in our lives. And even now, Lord, help us to remember all the good things you'll continue to do, God. As we wait, as we wait in this shell, Lord, we call our flesh, Lord, for the hope of glory that one day we'll be with you. Rejoicing, Lord. Help us to sing. Yes and amen every day. 
for the name, uh, for the sake of your name, God, for your glory. We love you, God.
this perfect time, this perfect moment. And as a response to that, let's just praise God with our voices and with song and say, I will rest in your promises, my confidence in your faithfulness. I will rest your promises. Let's lift our voice. because we need some more new kids teams to be able to kind of step up and take a week to work with the kids. And we'll train you better than we train this team. But these, this team's experienced. They know what they're doing. Right, Milt? But uh, anyways, Milt, Destiny, would you guys stand up real quick? And uh, anyways, they're going to take, they got the kids today. And, uh, and uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can go, always go to Terry's uh, backup plan and bring donuts in. That's what he says he does, but I don't think you're going to need it, man. So you guys start heading back there, and then on the count of three, kids, you're going back with the kids. Go ahead and see if you can beat milk down the stairs. On the count of three, one, two, three, go. <laughs> All right, very good. All right, how many of you guys, uh, let's see, let me grab this thing here. How many of you guys know how to throw a cast net? Anybody here know how to throw a cast net? All right, hold your hand up. I'm not going to make you do it. I'm not even going to make you do it. Don't, don't worry about that. But uh, All right, so, so let me see again. How many of you know how to throw a cast net? All right, good, man. All right, right on. And um, how many of you know how to catch mullet in a cast net? Let me see your hand. Okay, we only got one, a couple people. All right, All right we got a few here still because there's a big difference between throwing a cast net 
and actually catching mullet in a cast net. I mean, just throwing one, basically, and I only brought a little one. You can just go around and you can just throw, man. Throw all you want, and you can uh, catch weeds, you can catch oyster shells, you can catch mangroves, you can catch crabs, you can catch all kinds of different things in there. But it's different when you're targeting mullet, man. When, you know, you want some bait, or um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cracker, and that's not a bad term. If, uh, that's just a, a, a term for a native Floridian, okay? I know the world's made it into some kind of a racial term, but it's not. Uh, the original first crackers were actually cowboys. They were actually pe poor white people, poor uh, runaway slaves and runaway Indians that they all came down into Florida because every 150 years or so, Florida kicks everybody out. Did y'all know that? Every 150 years, she kicked, go look at history from the 1400s. About every 150 years, she kicks everybody out. And then all of a sudden, people discover she's empty. And they're like, huh, it's warm there. And nobody's living there. So they come back and try to live among things. <coughs> I really wasn't going to explain the whole cracker thing until I saw our young people going, oh, but now I'm going to explain it, all right? So just so, so you don't say I'm a racist. But anyway, so in the 1850s, there was nobody here in Florida. And so, like I said, the runaway Indians, runaway slaves, and the poor white people came down into the state, many of them right around this area and in the central part. And, uh, you know, they lived off the land. They pounded uh, cattails to make flour. They ate smoked raccoon meat and uh, <coughs> whatever, it took, <coughs> whatever it took to survive. Um, but in that, uh, they didn't want to waste their bullets. So they made these 20-foot-long whips out of deer skin. And so if there was a rattlesnake 20 feet away, they could pop the head off a rattlesnake. There were cows that the Spanish had left in the, uh, since the 1400s. And cows tasted way better than raccoons, so they could pop the cows out. But more importantly, they could actually pop the cows out of the swamp with a, with a, with a whip, and they could brand them, and they would be theirs. And then, lo and behold, they started now taking all the cattle um, over to the West Coast. And the cattle were now being shipped to Cuba because the whole world was staging their military there and they needed stuff to eat. So that's how the, the, the whole cattle industry started in Florida. And so every time somebody came down to Florida in the 1850s and, and, and up, they would hear cracking. And they're like, yep, there's them crackers again. And so I just want you to know it's not a racial term. It's a term that us Floridians who are, who are crackers take great pride in the fact that we were born and raised here. And some for many, how many generations, Penny? <coughs> Five generations. And Matt, how many for you? Oh, just one? Okay. Your, 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 your parents let you marry him? <laughs> Usually they don't try. So, anyways, how did I even get started on the whole cracker thing? I, I said, well, I... Yeah, A Land Remembered is a great book on that. But here's how I got started on it. If you're a cracker, you eat smoked mullet. How many of y'all like smoked mullet? Anybody here like smoked mullet? Yeah, you gotta, gotta develop a taste for it. But, but man, if you're a cracker, you know, you get big mullet, man. You butterfly those bad boys up and throw them in your smoker, they're good. But when you're catching mullet in your cast net or you wanna catch bait, you're not just wildly throwing your net anywhere and everywhere. Man, when you're doing it, a lot of times it's in the shallows. Because if it's real deep, you know, by the time the net sinks, the mullet, they're all gone. And so you got to, like, kind of sneak up on them. I'm walking very carefully. Ouch, I just stepped on an oyster. Oh, no. But you know what? I don't care that I stepped on an oyster because, dude, I'm focused on those mullet right there. Here I go. Oh, there's a bull shark right over there. Get out of here. 
I'm focused on the oysters. I'm not worried about the bull shark because I don't have a mullet on my string right now. <clears throat> but I'm not worried about that bull shark because I'm focused on what? I'm focused on the mullet. I'm going. And, 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 and so any distraction, oh, there's a big thunderstorm. Look at that lightning bolt. I don't care because I'm focused on the, the mullet. Here they are. Boom, I got them. And here I go. I start bringing them in. And so little things aren't going to distract me because I am focused on the what? Help me out. <laughs> exactly. I'm walking around. And, and, and I'm walking around carefully. I'm not out there just sitting here tromping around and like, you know, where are the mullet? You know, because that's not going to help me out if I do it that way. I'm going to scare them all away. I'm walking very carefully. I'm sneaking up. I'm being very, very What's the word I'm looking for? Focus, man. Diligent. And I'm quiet and I'm very concise and I see them and boom, they're in again and I got them. And so the idea is, is that I've got to pay close attention. I've got to stay very focused to be able to catch the mullet. And, you know, Jesus said that if we follow him, we would be fishers of men. And there's a big difference between being a fisher of mullet and a fisher of men. But there's a lot of similar principles in that. A fisher of mullet, my goal is to catch mullet and take them to an eternal destiny of my smoker. <laughs> or the eternal destiny of a hook that lands in the mouth of a snook. And in fact, I'm looking to give those mullet eternal death. All right? And if that bothers some of you, I'm sorry. Nature does way worse than that. Your little favorite dolphins, man, they eat tons of them every day, right? And... Uh, and so at least we're not talking about cooking manatees, right, Penny? Right? Like the crackers did back in the day. Hey, Penny, is it true? I heard in Nicaragua they asked me this question because we were talking about manatees. And they said, is it true that manatees taste like five different kinds of meat? Have you ever heard that? Yeah, but we're not allowed to eat those anymore. My favorite thing is they taste like a cross between a bald eagle and a Florida man. Oh, nice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Penny actually is a marine biologist, and she specializes and manatees, so that's her thing. You have any manatee questions? Ask Penny, man, she knows all about them. <coughs> so my point is though, when I go to catch mullet, man, when I'm going to catch mullet, I I'm taking them to eternal death, but as a fisher of men, when I have been called, all Jesus said I have to do is follow him, and I will become a fisher of men. It's nothing that I have to actually make myself turn into to follow him. As I am following him, I become a fisher of men. But instead of taking a mullet to an eternal death, I'm now given the privilege of being a part of taking a human life and giving them eternal life. There's a difference, taking mullet to eternal death and taking people to eternal life. But the same principles hold true, man. You know, when, when I've, I've got that, that cast net, man, here, here's us leading people to Christ. Here's us as we are taking becoming a fisher of men. Here we are, we're walking, and God has shown us somebody that needs to hear the gospel. And what happens? Oh, I stepped on an oyster. And instead of staying focused, instead of staying focused, the devil puts something under our feet. We trip up. We, we now have something that hurt us, something that hurt our feelings, something that now is, is giving us pain, something now. It could be real pain. It could be I got sick. I was in, the, in bed Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week. It could be something like that. But the bottom line is if I'm chasing mullet, I don't care about that little injury of stepping on my foot because I'm focused on the mullet. But here's what happens as a fisher of men. As a fisher of men, instead of being focused on mullet, we're focused on who? Men. Carol's like, ooh, I'm focused on men, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, 
men in general, all right? Men and women. Yeah, so, so look, man, look. No. Hey, but here's the thing. What happens to us all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as we are being fishers of men, how much does it take to distract us? How, how hard do our feelings have to be hurt? How, how, what, how much has to go wrong with what's going on in our life? How many mean words does a boss have to say or somebody not be nice to you for us to now like, oh, and we go back. <coughs> instead, <coughs> instead, when we're fishing, dude, you put up with all kinds of stuff. Man, I cut my foot. I don't care. I'm getting those mullet. If we would be as determined for men as we are mullet, we would see revival in this country. We would see revival in our community. But all the devil has to do is put a little injury, put, a, put something to get our focus off of other people and onto us. As soon as your Christianity becomes about you, you're a mess. As soon as your Christianity becomes about, about you and your comfort instead of your character and your witness, it's, you are a mess. The devil wants you to be inverted. Like a zit, an ingrown hair. Anybody have one of those in your leg? I'm sorry for being gross, but listen, man, you know what I'm talking about. You want to be ingrown? That's it. That's, that's not attractive. We're supposed to be out, but we lose our focus so often because of some little injury, because some little hurt, something, and all of a sudden it's all about us now. And we have to recover from that so that then we can now make it about others again. But you know what happens? All the people who are out there, the others, what did they see when you were making it all about you? Did you get to go hide and come off grid and nobody saw you making it all about you? No. You've now messed up part of your testimony. Because people are like, yeah, well, they get hurt. They're just, you know, I don't want to be like that in there. So again, there it is. All right, so what about now? Here I am. I'm walking. There's no oyster shell. I don't have that. But there's a big bull shark. <laughs> How many of y'all be scared if you're out there walking around? Eden, you care about bull sharks, man. <clears throat> Just a little bit, right? Because you're kind of a big dude, man. You can take them, right? But, but here's what has to happen. We're out there getting ready, looking for mullet jack. We're looking for a man. We're getting him because I'm going to get a big old snook with it. And, and all of a sudden, there's that big bull shark. But in real life, what happens to us, we're out there and we're focused on praying for others. We're focused on sharing the gospel with others. We're focused on keeping the main thing the main thing, which is the main thing, which is Jesus. And all of a sudden, something scary comes up. And all of a sudden, what happens? We lose our focus, and we run, and we hide, and then now we're not going back in the water because we're scared to. That's what happens sometimes when we go out and we share the gospel with people, and we, get, we feel like we got burned. We feel like, man, this isn't working. You get scared. You know what? I'm going I'm to let you know something. As extroverted as I am, and being a preacher for 20-something years, you would think that, dude, I, got, I could just witness to people in my sleep, man. But you know what? I'm going to tell you, I don't ever want to get that way. Uh, what I want is when God says, hey, go talk to that person at Walmart in the parking lot. I want to be scared out of my mind <laughs> because then it's not me doing it. I want, to, I want to be able to say, all right, God, you got to do this. When God tells me to paddle up next to somebody and share the gospel with them out in the water, I don't want to be able to rely on my own strength and my power and my charisma or my whatever I have. I want to be able to uh, depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit because I can't save anybody. Only God can. And so if you're scared, you're in good company because I'm scared too. But that doesn't negate the responsibility, man. That doesn't negate what God has left us here to do. 
So man, you may, you may get hurt, keep going forward. You may get scared, keep going forward. And if that doesn't happen, there's many other distractions. And I know that what has happened in this world right now is that Christians are being distracted by the littlest things. And if we could just keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus, and keep that focus like we're going to see the Apostle Paul do, man, we could have revival. Man, would it not be awesome to see revival in your lifetime? To see the Holy Spirit just pouring out on people and people just coming to Christ. Would that not be awesome? So, everybody repeat this with me right up here, man. You got it right up here. The main thing is to keep the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. Dude, I don't care if you get hurt. I'm not being insensitive in this. Um, I do care if you get hurt. But in light of this... Man, if you get hurt, if you get distracted, if you get scared, <coughs> again, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. Terry, you got that? Help me out, bro. It's not up there now. Come on, man. Help me out. The, the main thing, the main thing, the main thing, the main thing is Jesus. Yeah! Watch Jack do it, man. Watch Jack, man. Go, Jack. Come on. The main thing. Oh, man, I missed it. Oh, no. Help me out there, Matthew. Come on, man. Keep the main thing. The main thing. The main thing is Jesus. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Robert, 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 Marilyn, let me know. The main yes. thing is to keep the main thing. The main thing and the main thing is Jesus. Yeah. All right. Now I want you guys to put this to music, okay? Right now. Just, uh, just, all right. On the count of three, just together in unison here. One, two, three. walking the flats looking for mullet the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing and the main thing is mullet but in real life when we follow Christ we're not fishers of fish we're fishers of men and the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing and the main thing is Jesus we cannot make it about ourselves we learn in the book of Philippians that Jesus has to come first for joy to be there the J is Jesus next if we love him with everything he causes us to what Love others, the O, and then you come last, J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and you. It's got to go in that, <coughs> in that order. If you put it as you first, man, you're going to mess it all up. And that's how the devil trips us up, gets us hurt, gets us distracted, gets us off track. And that's why we don't have revival right now. And I have this passion in me to share this today. The Apostle Paul, we, we're going to start back in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. We covered a little bit of that last week. And um, <clears throat> we're going to uh, uh, see the last couple of verses that we covered last week of, of his conversion. This guy, Ananias, uh, he was a believer in Damascus. And Paul was on his way to Damascus. And Paul had letters from the high priest in Jerusalem that he heard there was a group of believers in Damascus. And he was going to kill them. Or he was going to round them up, bring them back to Jerusalem and kill them because they were on a roll of killing all the Christians. And so that's where Paul was on his way there. But on the way there, God hit him with a light, hit him with a brick in the head and knocked him down with light. And Paul got up and he couldn't see. And so Paul took off. Paul went with his buddies to where God said to go next. And they went uh, and, and they're in Damascus. And all of a sudden. Uh, this guy, Ananias, who was a believer at the time, who knew Paul was coming to kill him, was told by God, hey, I want you to go to Paul's house. What? 
That's a suicide mission. He's come to get rid of us. He said, no, I want you to go to Paul's house, to where Paul's staying, and I want you to um, uh, do a couple of things. And this is where we picked up. In verse 17, it says, And Ananias went his way, entered the house where Paul was, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, that was his name at this point, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me to you that you may receive your sight. Okay, so first of all, he was going to heal him and give him his sight back. And, and that's what we want from God most of the time. If we're hurt, we want to be healed. If we're poor, we want to be rich. You know, if we're dumb, we want to be smart. It's like I'm just saying we make our God to fulfill the needs that we lack, the things that we, we, we seem to want at that time. And so Paul needed his sight back. But that wasn't the best thing he got was his sight. The best thing he got was next. He said that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody Jesus healed, what happened to them? They died. Everybody Jesus fed, what happened to them? Yeah, everybody Jesus wrote, resurrected while he was here on the planet. They died again, right? So it's not about the miracles. It's not about your comfort. It's about your character. It's about God doing what he needs to do in a situation. But what's more important is having eternal life. And that's what happened when he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so... Uh, immediately look what Paul does immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received sight at once he arose and he got baptized we talked about that last week he got baptized that's his first message that he preached when we baptize somebody out here help me out again that looks like when they're standing in the water it looks like a what a cross right I take them under the water that's Jesus it represents Jesus death and burial and then I bring him back up which represents Jesus is what his resurrection, it represents you dying your old life and rising to live a new life with that resurrection power. And that's the message you're preaching. Now, in that day when Paul did that, since Paul had been leading all these Jews in an army to kill all the Christians, all of a sudden now he's turned to the other side. Oh, my goodness. He now had made enemies, but he didn't care. Paul now knew Jesus was the Messiah, and he's out fishing for men. And the first thing he has to do is stay focused and do what he's supposed to do. So he preaches his first message by getting baptized. Did he care about the oyster shell? Did he care about the bull shark? Did he care about the storm? No. Did he care about the fact that everybody was going to hate him and that the rest of the Jews were going to look at him as a traitor? Did he care about his reputation? No, because he was focused on the main thing. And help me out again, the main thing is to keep the, and the, there you go, man. And that is the key to Paul's success in life. You are going to not see anybody ever go more through more than what Paul went through as we continue through the book of Acts. And man, you're going to have such a greater understanding of all those great verses in all those church epistles that he wrote, because we always tend to put them in a nice American uh, dream type context when most of the New Testament was written under persecution. And so immediately, man, he got baptized. He arose and he got baptized. So when he'd received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples in Damascus. And what's the next word again? Immediately. <laughs> yeah, immediately. And, and when you do something immediately, man, you, you're focused on it. Whatever it is, you're focused on it. You got it. So immediately, what was the first thing he did? He preached. That's it. Whenever we've talked about this before and we've seen this pattern in the book of Acts, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power and power to be his. Remember what we talked about? His poster child, which means you're going to preach. But what happens after you preach? You then get 
persecution. So that causes you to pray. pray. And when you pray, you get more power. And then you have to and it just keeps going. And that's how you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit when it doesn't stop you. You hit, man, you hit an oyster shell. It's like, I don't care. Bull shark, get out of here. You just don't care because you were so focused. You were full of power of the Holy Spirit, wanting to do only what God wants you to do. That none of those other things matter. But the minute you turn your Christianity into something about yourself, the minute it becomes about you, Oh, the devil can trip you up so easy and get you off of that. Every one of us can identify with that. We're on fire. We don't care what's going on around us. We're charging hell with a water pistol. You know, man, nothing's that. And then all of a sudden, it's, like, oh, it's all about us. And man, what happened to me? <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I'm so tired of that in my life. And I'm tired of it in Christianity, man. We gotta stay focused, and the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing's what, Jack? Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Not turkey season. Oh, it's over, so you can say it's not turkey season anymore, right? All right. Immediately he preached. Now, what did he preach? He pe preached a five-point message on how to enjoy your life, how to have your best day. You know? Is that what he preached? No. no. Look what he preached. Read that to me. He preached the? Yes, he preached Jesus. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. That's all we got to know is Jesus. And Jesus, what he's doing in us. Right, Marianne? That's it, man. Just got to know Jesus. And he went into the synagogues where there was a ton of synagogues. That was a Jewish worship place because they didn't have churches yet. He went in there and he preached that Jesus is the son of God. That's what people needed to know. He preached Jesus. He didn't have to have some 20 point theological dissertation. He didn't have to go to seminary, although he had done all of that. Out of everything Paul knew, he kept his message simple, and he preached who? Christ. Yeah, man, he preached Jesus. <clears throat> Look at this, verse 21. Then all who were amazed and said, is this not he, the one who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem, and has now come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? <clears throat> now, they were kind of amazed for a couple things. First of all, it's like, wait a minute, let's see if he's got a little trick going on here. Maybe he's trying to sucker these guys into this thing. Maybe he's, you know, no, I think he's serious about this. This dude had some kind of life change. He's serious about, hey, anybody, when you got saved, did people wonder if you really, like, dude, what's going on with that person? Yeah. All right, how long is that going to last? Yeah, people are still waiting to see how long this little set lasts, this thing happened, lasts in my life, right? And it's, it's now going on 20-something years. But anyways, they're looking to see this. But realistically, once they find out that it's for real in Paul's life, now they're mad at him. Now they're persecuting him. Hey, weren't you the one just recently saying what losers these people were? <laughs> weren't you the one that was just messing everything? You know, weren't you? And so what happens when you get confronted? And is it with the truth even? Hey, didn't you? Weren't you the one just doing that the other day? Hey, weren't you the one that I saw doing that? Weren't you the one who was being that? Didn't you say, hey, I, you didn't know, but I saw, the, I saw you in Walmart, man, and you weren't. Weren't you the one doing that? <clears throat> what does it take to get us to back down, you know? And it, it doesn't sometimes. And so Paul here, he wasn't going to back down because Paul knew the main thing was to keep the main thing the main thing. 
And the main thing was Jesus, right? And so, anyways, but because so look what happens on this. It says, uh, all who heard were amazed. It's not the one who destroyed all this, blah, blah, blah. Bound to the chief priest. But so did Paul quit at this point? No. Look what happens in the next verse. Read that with me. But Saul increased. Persecution made him stronger. Why? Was it because he ran and he went back and took his Fred Flintstone vitamins, you know, his chewables? And because he got some rest and he, he, he prayed and he fasted and hang out by himself. And, and, and when he was good and strong, when? Is that what happened? No, he just kept plowing forward with what he knew was the truth. And if he made a mistake, he repented and he kept going. The devil would love nothing more than to isolate you and get you off by yourself into a woe is me pity party. He wants you to be isolated from other believers. You've got to just keep plowing. How many of you all like sin today? The rest of you didn't raise your hand. You just did raise it now because you just lied. I guarantee you. <laughs> every one of us has. So do we give up? I'm tired of lying. I lie every day. Did, did, you, did you attend the lie by not raising your hand? I mean, I raised my hand. Oh, no, you didn't. You just lied again. <laughs> do you intend to be a liar? No. But we're good at it, aren't we? We don't intend to sin. And Paul, this guy Paul, dude, he had a battle in himself. He said, man, I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. Anybody identify with that? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to quit. Is that what he does? No. He repents and says, I'm going to keep plowing forward for Christ. I've got my eyes on the prize. The main thing is to keep, help me out, guys. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. So he kept focused. That's what Paul does. And that's how he increased with persecution. You know, there was a plant called myrrh back in the day, and they used it for embalming bodies. And you could take myrrh, and, and it was like a, like a root-type plant, and you could smell it a little bit. But what did it take to really get the fragrance to pop? Anybody know? Ashley, what did it take to get the fragrance? It had to be crushed, man. Not just scrape, like scratch and sniff. Oh, that's myrrh. <coughs> Dude, you all ever smell? You ever smell roadkill? Anybody here smell roadkill? That's dead flesh rotting, right? Myrrh was so powerful when it was crushed that it made roadkill smell good. I'm serious. Think about that. But in order to make it smell that good, it had to be crushed. But here we are. Okay, crush me, Lord. <laughs> make me a little scratch and sniff sticker. And you know, that's what we want to be. We don't want to be crushed. Man, but if we have Christ in us and he, allow, he allows us to be crushed so Christ can come out. But you've got to see life from God's perspective. You've got to be focused as a fisher of men and not let anything distract you. Not let anything scare you. Not let anything make you quit. You've got to keep going. That's what the Apostle Paul did. And none of us, I don't think, are going to be an Apostle Paul. But man, we should be trying. We should be trying. He increased more and more each time there was persecution. All the more in strength. <clears throat> and this confounded the Jews. They were out to destroy them, and it made them stronger. And the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Again, he didn't change his message. He's proving Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now, how many days passed? 
Do we have an answer on that? I'm going to show you. Yeah, we actually do. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of cool. Uh, I'm going to take you to Galatians 1, 15 through 19 real quick to show you how many days passed, okay? And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, it was three years. What have you been doing for three years? Three years is a long time, isn't it? You guys are talking about like this last 10 months being intense. And it is. They're, they're at this Calvary Chapel Ocean's Edge School down in Fort Lauderdale. And they go through like an intense worship training. Like uh, you could ask them afterwards. That's what these guys are doing. It's just intense learning how to lead worship and be worship leaders and how to walk the walk and talk the talk and put it all together and all of that. That's 10 months and that was intense. Can you imagine Apostle Paul for three years? Can you imagine three years? You guys are talking about, oh, dude, we're going to get, we're done in June, and maybe I'll come back for the second year, but can you imagine three years? No break? Yeah, this dude, he's shaking his head like, no, dude, I'm so ready to go home. Get back to mama's cooking and doing laundry, man, right? Yeah. <laughs> three years! Watch this, Galatians 1, 15 through 19, check this out. Paul's talking to the people in Galatia, and he's saying, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace to reveal <coughs> his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with, with flesh and blood. So he said, when God called me, when he knocked him down on the road to Damascus, and he said, you're going to be preaching to kings and Gentiles and to other Jews. He said, I didn't go to the St. Peter's Seminary. You know, I didn't go to the apostles and right away, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. So who did he confer with? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. And he was trained. He had personal seminary class with Jesus for almost three years in Damascus. He would go to Arabia and he would come back and go to Arabia and come back. And he would have he was personally being trained by Jesus. Look what he says here. <clears throat> Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after how many years? Three. Three years, I went to Jerusalem to see Peter, and I remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. <clears throat> um, so anyways, that's where Paul was. That's when it says he, for a certain period of time, <clears throat> for a certain period of time he was gone or he was there. Uh, he was trained. Most people think Paul got knocked down, Paul got up, and Paul all of a sudden just started charging out with a water pistol. He did, but he wasn't sent out all over the place yet. Paul did this while he was in training, man, while he was learning. For three years, he was in seminary with Jesus. And that during that seminary, at the end of three years, the Jews in Damascus were plotting to kill Paul. And they watched at the gates day and night to kill him. Um, I don't want you to raise your hand, but if you've ever had anybody want to kill you? <laughs> um, I have. <laughs> but if you have people wanting to kill you, um, Fernando, oh yeah, yeah. Fernando wanted to kill you. I told you, you got rid of that life insurance policy, right? So she's got no incentive? All right, we're good? All right. But listen, man, uh, how many of y'all would be thwarted? How many of y'all would stop, be distracted? How many of y'all would, would stop doing God's plan if somebody threatened to kill you? I don't want you to raise your hand, but... That's pretty serious stuff. But Paul didn't quit. Paul kept going. He stepped on the oyster shell. He saw the bull shark. He saw the thunder and lightning. But he didn't worry about it. He was focused on fishing for men so that he could bring them eternal life. Because he knew that whoever dies without Christ gets to spend eternity where? 
without Christ, where? Hell. Yeah. He knew that anyone who didn't have Christ when they died would spend eternity in hell. And he saw that. He believed that. Do you believe that? It doesn't matter how nice a person is, how religious a person is. It matters whether you've got a sacrifice acceptable to God. And the only sacrifice God said he would accept is the sacrifice that Jesus performed on the cross. Paul was serious. He wasn't going to let a little murder plot <laughs> stop him like we would. <coughs> he didn't care because to be absent from the body is to be where? Where's his real home? Where's your real home? What's the worst they can do? Kill you, right? And then you get to go to paradise. Now, I'm not saying I hate this planet. I just don't love it. And this is not my home. And as soon as God wants to take me out of here, man, I guarantee you when I get to heaven, I'm not looking back and saying, dang, let me go back to earth. No, it's going to be awesome. But I got a job to do while I'm here, and so do you. And so Paul, man, you know what? They're ready to kill him. Let's check out what happens. God, it wasn't time for God to take him out yet. <laughs> so it says, then the disciples took him by night, lit him down through a wall in a large basket. And what that means is that uh, basically there, were, there was a big wall and there were houses built on the wall. And maybe one of the believers had a house uh, with a, you know, that was on the wall. And so at night, they lit him down in a big basket. And so he took off. And that was God's plan because now he's going somewhere else. So just because you get threatened don't mean it's going to happen. You know, if it's not your time to go, is there any army in the world that can take you out? And if it is your time to go, is there any army in the world that can protect you? No, dude. It's all up to God anyways. Why not follow him and enjoy the ride? You know? Now check this out. They let Paul down. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, so he goes to Jerusalem. Everything's cool now, right? These are all believers. This is uh, the disciples. He's going there, and everything's going to be awesome. <clears throat> so when Saul came to Jerusalem... He tried to join the disciples. What do you think that meant when it says he tried? <laughs> yeah, I tried to get in that group of people. Anybody ever do that? I tried to get a job there. I tried. Yeah, it means that it didn't quite work out for him right away. All right. It says he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe he was a real disciple. Okay. So, dude, I've been preaching for three years. What do I have to do? What do I have to prove? But look at what happens. Barnabas, the encourager took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him, how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So let me ask you a question. What was the criteria that the, that the apostles needed to know that he was a real believer? What was the criteria? Oh yes, he, he has certification from the first uh, Methodist church in uh, Methodist Presbyterian Baptist Church in Damascus, and we have record of his baptism, and uh, we have letters of recommendation from his pastor and his youth pastor saying he went through a little thing, you know, but he's back with Jesus now. He's all right. And so here's the scroll. He's good. Is that what the criteria was that the apostles needed? No. <clears throat> what was the criteria the apostles needed? Ellie, what was it? <clears throat> Look at that. <clears throat> How he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. That was the credentials for Paul. That's the credentials for us. Someone wants to know if you're a believer, where are your credentials? That you preached boldly in your Damascus, the name of Jesus. Where's your Damascus? Your Damascus, wherever you're at, right? 
And are you preaching boldly the name of Jesus? That's what he's asking. You wonder why? Uh, most of you kind of know why we keep handing out these cards, right? It's your opportunity. It's a, it's a way for you to preach boldly the name of Jesus, right? And so, uh, again, to, for those of you who haven't been here to, to know that, uh, the way we preach Jesus through these cards, and if you got one and said, oh, I already have one, you shouldn't. You should be giving them away weekly, right? What does the gold represent? Help me out, guys. <laughs> heaven. That I've got a home in heaven, and, 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 and I get to live there forever with God, right? And I'm so stoked about it. I want you to come with me. All right. But this dark represents why I can't go to heaven. I couldn't go to heaven before, which represents my sin, <clears throat> my sin that separated me from God. And I couldn't cover my <clears throat> I couldn't cover my own sin. I couldn't cover it. But the red represents the one thing and the only thing that would cover my sin, which is what? <clears throat> the blood of Jesus. And so I, once I accept that, once he's given me the desire and ability to accept what he did on the cross as payment for my sins, I now have a home in heaven. But the green represents why he's left me here, and that's so that I can grow more in love with him. And as I grow more in love with him, I grow more in love with others through the everyday trials and circumstances. Not so I can run and hide, not so that I can, so I can keep growing more in love with him. Man, there's your opportunity. Hey, if that was the criteria, if being a Christian was illegal, is there enough evidence <coughs> to put you in jail for that? Would there be enough proof to, to prove you were a Christian? People are like, hey, are they a Christian? Well, yeah, dude. Elena, she'd been preaching boldly at LPA. <coughs> she'd been preaching boldly at, at, where are you working now? Oh, Ruby Tuesdays, yeah. You know, she'd been preaching boldly the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah, she's a Christian. So if being a Christian was a crime, would there be enough evidence to indict you? We're almost done here. So he was with them at Jerusalem, because I don't think I'm going to last much longer here. Let me grab a drink of water. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, the Greeks. And then they attempted to kill him, so he stopped. And we don't have a New Testament now, because he stopped. <laughs> <clears throat> is that what happens? No. I wonder how many things we don't have because I stopped. How many things we don't have because you stopped? Something we were supposed to do and you stopped and we don't have it now. Aren't you glad Apostle Paul didn't stop? He kept going because he was focused on the main thing. <clears throat> they attempted to kill him. So when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea, sent him out to Tarsus. So they got him out, and he's preaching somewhere else. And then God gave <coughs> the church a time of rest. And look what it says, and we're done. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace. And they were edified. And that word edified means strengthened. They were strengthened because of Paul's witness. Paul didn't stop. I'm not stopping. Robert doesn't stop. I ain't stopping. Terry and Fernando doesn't stop. Man, I ain't stopping. You know that that's how we encourage each other. That's what that praise jar is about, man. When you're seeing God work, when God's doing things in your life and I don't see it happen in mine, that encourages me. And that's what edified this church. They saw Paul go for it and put his own life on the line. They said, man, you know what? I got no excuse. I'm going. I'm not stopping. I'm plowing forward. I'm going to keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. And so look what happened. As they strengthened their relationship in the Lord. And this is how they did it. Walking in the fear of the Lord. 
Not the fear of man. What is the fear of the Lord? Help me out. What's that? Reverence? Okay. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, uh, you know, who's like the best basketball player right now? I don't even watch NBA. Who's the best basketball player? Anybody watch NBA here? No? no? All right. LeBron James. Yeah. Even though oh, he's got the ref. He owns all the referees, right? No. I'm just... <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Let, let, let's just say, oh, uh, all right. Let's just say Tom Brady. Anybody here like Tom Brady? Okay, some people hate Tom Brady, but I've given him a hard time, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back with Tom Brady again because i, I got to give him some props. He has done some things. But let's say we were having a football clinic here, and Tom Brady came to teach you how to be a quarterback, right? All right, that would be kind of cool. Even Ellie, Ellie, you'd probably like to take some lessons from Tom Brady, right? Yeah, it might as well. You know, it's an opportunity. Down, set, high, you know. And, uh, but but Tom, Tom, Tom Brady, he says to throw the ball this way. And then I say, no, no, uh, I'm the pastor. You need to throw the ball this way, all right? Tom Brady said, no, no, man, you got to throw it this way. And I said, no, guys, listen to me. Throw it this way. Let me ask you a question. Who are you going to listen to? You're an idiot. No, <laughs> you totally missed the point, man. <laughs> no, you listen to Tom Brady. Why? Because the dude's got rings to prove it. The dude knows how. You've seen him in life. You've seen what he's done. He knows how to throw a football way better than me. Amen. So you would. <laughs> so it's not brain surgery. You just take what he says. You don't like say, hey, Tom, how about if we deflate the ball just a little bit? <laughs> hey, hey, Tom. Tom, can, Tom, can you show, show me how to cheat just a bit? No, you know, but no, no. But I'm serious, if you just took the ball, he's proved it. You know he knows how to do it, so he's going to be a much effect. You'd be an idiot not to follow him and follow me. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Who knows everything? God. Who can do everything? Who's everywhere? Yes, and so we would be so foolish to go against him and not do what he says to do. That's what the fear of the Lord is. But that's what happens when we edify each other and we build each other up. We see God working in Robert Maryland, so I have hope God can work in me. You know, they saw it working in Terry Fernando, they have hope God can do it. And when we see it working in each other, we gain strength by that. And it gives us confidence to say, I'm doing it the Lord's way. I'm doing it God's way, man. I ain't doing it that way, I'm doing it God's way. That's the fear of the Lord, and look what comes with that. <laughs> They're walking in fear of the Lord, and look at this next part in the, what's the next word? Comfort. Yeah, the comfort of the Holy Spirit who's living in you. As you are walking and fearing the Lord, doing things his way, you, don't you have just a holy boldness about you? Anybody been there? You got a holy boldness about you, man. You're just like, I know I'm where God wants me, man. I ain't stopping. Get away from me, Mr. Bullshark. I don't even care about you. Because we're focused and we're full of the spirit. We've got that holy boldness when we're obeying. And so look what happens to the church. They were multiplied. This ain't about growing churches. This is about making disciples one at a time. And it starts with us. So help me out with this. I got no more clicks left in here. Help me out with the next part, man. You guys all know this. The main thing is to keep the main thing. The main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. Don't let the devil distract you. Don't be scared. And man, don't 
Get, make it all about yourself. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. Keep your eyes on him doing what he wants you to do. He said again, if you follow me, you got no choice. I will make you fishers of men. Stay focused on me the way a mullet fisherman is going to stay focused on those mullet, man. I'm not letting anything. I'm not tromping through. I've got one goal in mind, and I don't care if I step on oysters. I don't care if there's a bull shark following me. I don't care about anything except right there. Bam, I got him. I want to follow the Lord, and he says that I'm going to become a fisherman. Let's bow and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us your word and Father, thank you so much for the Apostle Paul and his fearlessness and the Apostle Paul and, um, and his example to us. Um, I'm so grateful for that verse where Paul comes clean and says, man, I'm so sick of doing what I don't want to do. I'm so sick of not doing what I should be doing. I'm just so sick of all of this. And, and I know that I'm going to be delivered one day, but while I'm here, I'm just sick of it. But Father, through all of that, he showed us how to overcome that, how to have as little of that as happen in our lives as possible, and that is by keeping the main thing the main thing, and the main thing being Jesus. And we know that you told us that if we would love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, you would cause us to love others, and the byproduct would be us. So Father, please... Um, we need help in becoming fishers of men and getting our thoughts off of ourselves and off of our potential problems and our real problems, the things that distract us. Father, help us just live our life and let it be about you. And if there's someone here that doesn't know you personally, someone's not sure they're going to heaven when they die, Father, if they believe because you've given them the desire and ability to believe, that what Jesus did on the cross pays for their sins forever. Father, give them the desire and ability to surrender themselves to you and realize that once they do that, a million years from now, all of us are going to be sitting in heaven. And you told us that the sufferings of this life are nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us later. Father, I praise someone would get born again today. And I pray for those of us that are. We would recommit ourselves to keeping the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is you. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.
Um, I used to have aquariums. Anybody here have aquariums? No. I used to have them until I found out this was really the best aquarium out here. But uh, in my aquarium, I found out there's always a disease in the aquarium. Uh, there's a parasite called ick, and it'll make like white bumps all over all your fish, and kind of it's a parasite, and it sucks them dry and kills them, and it spreads to others. But what happens is, is when a fish gets its, itself down and its resistance is down, it's now susceptible to that disease. And so what has to happen, man, if I get a sick fish and I leave him in that sick tank, that fish is now going to just get sicker and it's going to die. But if I can scoop him out with a net and pull him out and put him in a safe tank, a place where he can recover, then the fish many times can recover and I can throw him right back in that tank and it can be of more value to that tank. But every time I tried to scoop a sick fish out, guess what that fish did? It would run from me. And when it ran, it would create more stress in its life because it's now running into glass and running into you know, little bubble maker things and running into fake plants and stuff. And, and every time I'm trying to catch the fish, it's just running and it's causing itself more stress and it's getting sicker and it's getting sicker and it's getting sicker. And if I never do get it, it gets so sick it just dies. But if I could just wear it out enough to get it in that net, put it in a safe tank, I can help it recover. And you know, I wasn't really thinking about that a whole lot um, until just now as we are singing that last song. And if God's kind of chasing you around with his net, whether you're a believer or you need to become a believer, he's chasing you around, chasing you around, submit, because running from him is only going to cause more stress. And is there anybody here that's truly given their life to Christ and follow him that wish they hadn't? No. But thousands like me wish we'd done it sooner. So if you're that fish running from God's net, man, jump in the net. I love you guys, but not as much as Jesus does. All right.